Please bow with me in prayer. Lord, take my lips and speak through them. Take our minds and think through them. Take our hearts and set them on fire with love for your Son, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. Well, those are two short readings, and I don't want you to feel deprived, so I'll make up for it during the sermon. What a deal, huh? <laughs> you know, it's interesting, when, when you begin to think about the Christian faith, and what the Christian faith is about, so many different people have so many different takes on what it means to be a Christian, Right? And part of it, if you really understand Christianity at its most basic, basic idea, it's coming to know God and then coming to reflect our lives so that we live as Christ lived, right? And theologians down through the centuries, ever since Jesus came and walked on the earth and died on the cross and rose again, have been trying to unpack and understand what that means for our lives, and they want to talk about who God is, and then who we are in Him, and God's will and God's way, and what that means for our lives and how we live. And so what they do is they take all these different nuances and ideas, and they study the Gospels, and they study the Old Testament coming up and leading to the person and, and time of Jesus, and then the Gospels, and then the Epistles, as the church begins to form and unpack and unfold. And then they want us to understand these in a comprehensive and logical way. So they came up with this wonderful idea that they not only call theology, but they call it systematic theology. Because they want to systematize what it is so that we can understand all these different nuances. And they put God into different categories and describe him. And then they talk about the Christian life in different categories so that you can understand it, if you will, in a system. Now, I just want you to think about something for a moment. For those of you that have any kind of relationships with people, how effectively could you systematize that person? Or a relationship with that person? I mean, think about that just for a second, because I think it does make sense to try to understand God and do an in-depth study and come to know his, him as a person. But you can't really systematize a person. You're coming to know the person in a relationship with him. Meredith and I, this summer, will celebrate 35 years of marriage. I knew her over two years before that. So I've known Meredith over 37 years. And you know, at this point, after all that time, does she fully understand who I am? No. Does she have a system for understanding who I am? No. Do I fully understand Meredith after all this time? Heavens, no. And do I have a system to understand who Meredith is? There is no such thing. You know, the reality is we're individuals and we're people and relationships are different than just a system. 
And sometimes when you want to try to come to know God, you want to put him in categories. You want to wrap him up in a box. And sometimes that's what the Pharisees and Sadducees did. And so they made up all these laws. But the reality is, God is a person. God is someone to come to know. And there are aspects and attributes about who God is as we come to know Him. But you can't just systematize that. Because it's an alive, it's meant to be an alive relationship. You know, it's interesting to think about when you talk about scientists and what they know, right? And the more they come to discover about the physical universe, it seems the more questions that are raised than, than answered at this point. When it comes to atoms and the smallest component of an atom, when it comes to the vastness of space. I one time read a scientist who said, and some of you may have heard this before, that we know more about space than we do about our own oceans. Anybody ever heard that? We know more about space than we do about our own oceans because there's so much that we haven't discovered yet in our oceans. Now I want you to think about something. Space is, is infinite. The universe, we say, is infinite. We haven't discovered the end of it. And scientists are projecting that there is no end to the universe. It just goes on and on and on and it keeps spreading out. The ocean is finite. Right? So you would think that it'd be easier to know the, the ocean, and yet there's so much about the ocean we still don't know, even though it's finite. My wife and I are both finite beings. God is infinite. Why is it we think that we can know God completely and put him on a shelf as if we know him completely? You know, you get the confirmation. Okay, I know all there is now. I don't have to do this anymore, right? 13 years old, plus or minus. And it's interesting because it's just about that time, simultaneous, that parents don't know anything either. And then as we grow older, we actually discover we don't know everything. But why is it somehow, someway, people think they know everything there is about God? And they stop growing. That worship becomes something that's optional because, you know, I'm okay. I don't really need to be there. I've got other things that are more important. And even the faith, when we talk about the faith itself, it's not even just worshiping on Sunday mornings. That's a given. It's growing in that relationship every day. That's what my relationship with my wife is about. If I'm going to continue to grow in that relationship that we spend time together every day. Why is it we think that we really don't need to spend much time with God because he's knowable? Because we know him completely? You know, the reality is people are complicated, right? 
relationships are complicated, right? You're allowed to agree. You know, do you ever, do you ever listen on, on television? You know, they'll be talking about something and all of a sudden you'll see someone say, it's complicated. Well, relationships, people, were complicated. And God is even more complicated because he's infinite. And we're one person, and he's three persons in one God, as we say, Trinitarian. You heard it in the epistle reading from 2 Corinthians 13. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. And then you hear Jesus saying, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them, what? In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Three persons in one God. And yet at the same time, coming to that basic faith is really easy. It's understanding that God is love. And that he sent his son Jesus to die on a cross for us because of his love. Because we're sinners in need of a savior. And God is holy, which means he wants our lives to be holy. So he gives us the commandments to guide us into that holiness. From the basic it's really not that complicated. But as you grow, what you realize is there's more and more depth to know about God. There's more and more depth to know about the Christian life. And that we constantly change and grow and we need to be constantly changing and growing because of that. No one's arrived. I'm always amazed when people say... I really don't know. I, I really don't need that. Or you know, been there, done that. You know that mindset that's out there. What if you did that in other relationships in your life, with your marriage, with your children? You know what? I spent eighteen years with my kids. I know them. I don't need to anymore. Is that how relationships are supposed to work? See, if you really in the back of your mind think of God as static or a system or just about laws and rules, you've missed it. Because God is a person who knows us through and through and wants us to have a knowledge and love of Him. That's what the Christian faith really is all about. We say in our creed every Sunday, I believe in God the Father. I believe in God the Son. I believe in the Holy Spirit. And what you have in the creed at that point is that basic summation, if you will, of systematic theology. That basic understanding of who God is. But we don't stay there. We constantly grow. Now, with that whole thought in mind, I wanted to begin to unpack this understanding of knowing God. And the first thing that I want to confront or talk about is, can we know Him completely in this life? And the answer is, no. The answer is no. 
That's why you never stop growing. That's why you never stop seeking. That you can always grow deeper in the knowledge and love of God and what this life is that I'm about. Because the knowledge of God is too high for us. Isaiah 55. My ways are not your ways, says the Lord, and my thoughts are not your thoughts. For my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts are your thoughts. He doesn't want, just want to leave us there, though. He wants us to grow up into that. To constantly be growing and seeking. Not as infants. Receiving the, the, the kingdom of God as a child, yes. But then growing on into maturity to become more Christ-like. To come to that deeper knowledge and understanding of Him. The kind of depth that we're talking about. Let me just read to you one of my favorite psalms about just coming to an understanding of how much God knows us and loves us. O oh Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down, when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from far away. You search out my path and my lying down. You are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, O oh Lord, you know it completely. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is so high, I cannot attain it. Now, I love my wife. But I don't know every time she sits down and stands up. I don't know where she's going all the time. I know my kids better than most. I don't know what they're doing most of the time. And listen to the depth of how much God knows us. Now that can be so reassuring. God really knows me. And when we're confident because of Jesus Christ and His sacrifice on the cross, it's so reassuring because we know, given who we are, He still loves us for all of our shortcomings and our failures and our sins and our faults. That with other people, we're often trying to hide, right? He knows it. That can be disconcerting for some of you, by the way. If you really don't know his forgiveness. If you really don't know his embrace. If you really don't understand the cross and the gospel. And then there's a, a verse that I've always really enjoyed from Matthew chapter 10. And even the hairs of your head are all counted. He knows how many hairs you have on your head. For some of you, that's not that big of a deal. But the reality is, he knows every detail about who you are. And he loves you. And he wants you to embrace him as he's embraced you. And to come to know him with the depth more and more of how much he knows you. And there's a lot about God that we need to come to know. God's not just about law. If you caught it in the epistle, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that's one aspect that he wants you to know. What is grace? It's looking at the cross of Jesus Christ and recognizing that he died for you and that you don't have to do anything but accept that relationship. The love of God. 
God isn't just holy. He's loving. And the fellowship or communion of the Holy Spirit, that is to say that we understand this community that we call the Trinity. We experience that ourselves and then we share it with each other. And that we are to come to know that more and more. Secondly, because God is so awesome, because God is infinite, do we give up? See, that's what some people do. They just give up. Sometimes they'll say things like, oh, that's for those who are studying theology are about. That's for the professors. That's for the preachers. That's not for me. I don't read that in the Bible. What I see of the life of Jesus is that he constantly walked with his Father in his will. He constantly referred to the Word of God. The apostles were constantly growing, and that's what he modeled, if you will, with the early church because the apostles were the early church as Jesus was beginning to form the church. There's this constant growth that's going on, so we never give up. You know, it's interesting that we don't give up on our spouses. We continually seek to know them, to love them. You know, we do get exasperated sometimes. You know, I don't understand you, so I'm going to give up on you. No, we don't say that. You know, hopefully we do want to understand and come to know the person more and more. God doesn't give up on us. He constantly pursues us, and He doesn't want us giving up on Him, even though He is infinite. Let me read to you from Mark's Gospel, chapter 12. And this comes from this discussion with this scribe, in talking about the greatest commandment. And a scribe, you need to understand, is working with the Pharisees and Sadducees. He's an expert in the law. And he's wrestling with, who is this God and what does he desire of me? Is this only about law? So he gets into this dialogue with Jesus. And he asks him, what's the greatest commandment? And Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is like it. Love your neighbors as yourself. That when you really come to an understanding of who God is and what God wants for us and with us, and then through us, is this whole notion and idea of love. And after Jesus finishes this dialogue, he says something really great to this scribe because he's beginning to grasp it. He says, you're not far from the kingdom of God. You're not far from the kingdom of God. In other words, you may not fully grasp the gospel yet or what the life is that God wants for you, but don't give up because you're coming close. How often do we give up? How often do we say it's not working for me? How often do we think that there's other things in the world that are really going to be the answer for our lives? And we pursue them. And we miss what God has for us. Never give up. 
whether you're far away or you're close. Come to seek to know him and grow in the knowledge and love of him. Thirdly, will we know him in heaven? Will we come to that depth of understanding that we really come to know who he is? You know, what's interesting is that in 1 Corinthians 13, not 2 Corinthians 13, which is our reading for today, 1 Corinthians 13, it's the love chapter that talks about love and what love is like and this kind of love that God is that he wants to impart to us, that we begin to have flow through us. And toward the end of that chapter, it says, I, when I was a child, I spoke like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became an adult, I gave up childish ways. So the first thing that we get the impression of is that we really are supposed to grow through this. And some people want to stay childish in their faith. See, Scripture talks about receiving the kingdom as a child of God, but then growing and maturing and becoming Christ-like. The second aspect toward the end of that chapter that it talks about is, now we see in a glass darkly, then we will see face to face. So there's that hope that right now we don't always get it right. We sometimes struggle with it. We're not always seeing clearly. Whether it's because we want to compartmentalize God, whether it's because we want to make it just about law, whether it's like God is not knowable and it doesn't really matter who I live to be or what I believe. And the whole goal is to come to know him more and more. Then we shall see face to face. That's the ultimate goal. That God is constantly trying to reveal himself. Genesis 1 and 2, he reveals himself in creation. Romans 1 and 2 reiterates that same idea. So much so that everyone is without excuse. Last week we read the scripture from John 14 where Philip says... I want to see the Father. And Jesus is saying, when you see me, you see the Father because I'm God incarnate. I'm living out who God is in this world. That John writes in his gospel, in the beginning was the Word, and word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. John 1.1. 1, 1. Then you get to verse 14 in chapter 1. And the Word became flesh. That Jesus embodied the Word of God so that we would understand what God who God is in the flesh and what the life is that we're supposed to look. Look to and reflect. But then, we will see Him face to face. Then we will have that intimate, personal relationship that is not blocked because of the sin in our lives. See, Jesus would call the Pharisees and Sadducees blind guides. Because as much as they thought they understood, they really didn't. As much as they thought they knew God, they really didn't. And what blinds us is the sin in our own lives. And that rebellion where we don't really want to know God or grow in that relationship. What blinds us is the enticements of the world, the seduction of the world that draws us away from Him. And we begin to believe that there are other things that are more important than our relationship with the Lord. And God wants us to know Him. And He wants us to know the depth of His love. 
And the question is, do you really understand that that's what he wants for your life? Can you get your heart and your mind and your arms around what it is he wants for you? You know, sometimes when we say we can't understand something, we can't get our arms around it. And there's a wonderful prayer in the morning prayer service in the Book of Common Prayer. And we hardly ever do that service around here. But let me read it to you. It's on page 101. Lord Jesus Christ, you stretched out your arms of love on the hard wood of the cross that everyone might come within the reach of your saving embrace. Isn't that a wonderful idea? That God stretched out his arms for us and the way that we get our arms around him and what his desire is for our lives as we come to know his love and his forgiveness, the power of the cross, the power to change our lives. What blocks us? What blocks us in the 21st century? Well, I've already mentioned a couple of them. But let me suggest a couple of others. You know, we've become such, allegedly, a scientific age. That what you can't prove scientifically, well, you know, it's really hard to believe. That we need to be able to see. Empirical science. You know, Jesus said to Thomas when he rose again from the dead, You believe because you have seen. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. Sometimes we just can't see it. But as we open our hearts and minds to God, He'll bring us that belief and He'll bring us the sight that we need to embrace Him. Sometimes what blocks us from truly seeing Him is that God is Father. Maybe you had a bad relationship with your father. Maybe your father hurts you. So we can't get our, our minds around this whole notion of a loving father. And yet if you read in the scriptures, in Luke chapter 11, where Jesus says, Our Father, and what the Father is offering to us, and then as Luke 11 unfolds, talks about how your Father knows to give you gifts and how your Heavenly Father will give you good gifts to those who ask. But Jesus, when he talked about the Father, he talked in loving ways. But also in ways that I only do what I see my Father do. I only say what I hear my Father say. You know, I've come to a deeper understanding of this whole notion and idea of how God works as Father, especially on this Father's Day, as I think about times past with my own children. I'm hoping to talk to each one of them later on today, or at least I better talk to each one of them <laughs> later on today. But one of the thoughts that came back to me this past week when I was reflecting on this whole notion of God being Father and the Trinity and my fathering my children. And I, sometimes it's random what comes to your mind. We were driving in a car one time, and we were on a long trip. I want to say we were driving back from San Antonio to the east. 
And the kids were beginning to bicker. And then the bickering, we have three kids. The, the, they, they began to argue with each other. And it keeps escalating. Meredith keeps turning back and saying, would you guys stop it? It's just, you know, on and on. Finally, I had had it. We were driving for hours. And all of a sudden, I, I say in a loud voice, good night. And there was silence. And then there was giggling. And I said, what's so funny? And they said, Dad, did you mean to say that? What does that mean? So then I explained to them why I said good night. And they came to know me a little better because of my unpacking that. And they listened. The arguing stopped. It was wonderful. You know what's interesting is one time Jesus was dialoguing James and John. And James and John said to Jesus, you know what? Can one of us sit at your right hand and the other one sit at your left hand? Remember that story? Some of you might remember that. And then Jesus overhears the apostles are all arguing and they're angry with James and John. How dare you ask them that? You know, are you trying to displace all of us? You can just hear the argument. And Jesus says, let me teach you something about this. And he talks about servanthood in the kingdom of God. And you know what? The apostles stopped arguing. Isn't that interesting? Because they came to know God and Jesus and more of what they were about. My daughter Bethany in particular, some of you heard parts of this story. Easter a year and a half ago, two years ago. When my daughter was in rebellion for about 10 years, and it got progressively worse from 15 to 25. And there were times I would try to discipline her, correct her, hold her accountable, and she'd get more and more angry. And on several occasions she would say to me, Dad, you're mean. I never really thought of myself much as mean. But that's how she saw me. And then finally, at 25, she woke up. She saw. And she came to Meredith and I a month later, and she said, I didn't realize what a dark place I'd gotten to. Interesting choice of words. Dark place. See, because she couldn't see. It was too dark for her to see. And then finally, the light from the Lord broke into her life. And she was able to see again. And she began to change. A year later, we were again together for Thanksgiving. And she looked at me and she said, Dad, I never intended to say this to you, but you're the wisest man I know. What happened? What happened? She saw I wasn't trying to be mean. But I was trying to love her. And direct her. And guide her. And I was trying to hold her accountable. And she couldn't see it. And then her eyes were open. You know, and sometimes we perceive God as mean. Sometimes we perceive God as a cosmic killjoy 
Because we really don't understand him. We don't see. Maybe it's the darkness of our own lives. Maybe it's the darkness in the world around us. But we don't see. And we finally come to the depth of understanding his love and the cross of Jesus Christ. And his light breaks into our lives. Our eyes are open. And we begin to see. And then we begin to understand the wisdom that he has for us. And that he comes as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The loving parent that we rebel from. The Son who gave his life for us out of love for us. And the Holy Spirit that brings that, us into that communion. Who knows the heart and mind of God and brings that to us. So that we might have that communion with him and with each other. Have you come to know him? Because he knows you. He knows everything about you and he loves you. And he wants you to grow in the knowledge and love of him. Please bow with me in prayer. Lord God, so often we are tempted to be drawn away from you. Because we think we already know everything. Or because you're so overwhelming. That we get distraught. That we lose momentum. Lord, sometimes it's out of arrogance. That we think we know enough. Or we know better. Or sometimes it's out of retirement. Been there, done that. Know enough, have done enough. Lord, I pray this day that every person here would understand the depth of your love in Jesus Christ. The love of a father who desires to embrace and enfold his children. The love of the son who opened up his arms wide on the cross. And the love of the spirit that flows through us the fruit that we bear. Lord, help us to grow in the knowledge and love of you this day and every day. And as we turn now to share in this baptism, Lord, that for some here it might be the first time that they truly give their lives to you. That they say the vows and mean them for the first time. For others, that it would be an opportunity to renew that love, that commitment to you. Lord, I pray this day, as we celebrate and remember Father's Day, that first and foremost we would know our Father in heaven through our Lord Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen.